Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 107. I'm, I'm actually, you know, as we continue our uh, series through uh, the book of Psalms this summer, looking at the, you know, the kind of the title we've been using for the series, Seasons of the Soul, considering how there are different seasons in a given year, there are also different seasons of the soul. Seasons that are up, seasons that are down. And so, uh, what I wanted to do is, is pick a couple of, of more obscure psalms. So, even if you've grown up in the church, you've read a lot about the, read through the psalms, my guess is Psalm 107 is not one uh, for you that you might recognize immediately off the top of your head. And if you haven't grown up in church, all the same, all the better. Um, but uh, as you guys are opening up to that, I, I do want to say uh, it, was, it was good to be away last week. Cindy and I took the kids uh, on vacation. It was a great time of rest. I hope you guys get a time of rest, if not during the summer, sometime around it. I, this, this culture is so fast-paced, and I know it, it very easily sucks us into, well, we just got to keep working, we got to keep working. Try to get some rest if you can. I know it was really helpful to our family. Um, but it was also really good uh, spending time uh, on the Sunday we were away at another local church. It was really good time, not only not having responsibilities. As we were driving to church, uh, our little four-year-old said, Mommy, are you and Daddy going to have to... Uh, preach a sermon and do stuff. Uh, we said, no, no. And, uh, but it was, it was good just to be uh, with another community on the Lord's Day, ce- celebrating and worshiping with them. Um, but it's good to be back, and we're excited uh, not only to be here, but we're, we're excited for uh, the season ahead. Uh, hopefully, you now are at uh, Psalm 107. It's a longer psalm. I'm not going to read all of it. Sorry to disappoint you. I'll read uh, most of it. Uh, psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those He redeemed from the land, from the hand of the foe, those He gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way in a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So He subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and, they, and there uh, was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them. From their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. They cried to the Lord in their distress, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out His word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds to mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and so tell of His works with songs of joy. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up on the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and He brought them out of their trouble. 
He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were gathered. Uh, they were glad. Excuse me. When when it when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Now we're going to skip down to the last verse, verse forty-three. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, we all love good stories, don't we? Especially authentic stories. Any of you guys follow Humans of New York? You guys know that outfit, that photo, blah, yeah, a number of you guys. Um, a guy, the guy's name is Brandon Stanton, I believe, who started that photo blog. It's really beautifully done, and he's really kind of uh, uh, keyed into something that a whole, a, a lot of other people just haven't been able to do. What he does is he takes a picture of somebody, usually out in a park somewhere on a picnic bench or walking down the street, something, something like that, and then in the comment section, he has their story. He just has a rich story of their life, which, again, is beautifully done because so often you see this picture of somebody sitting on this park bench, you know, kind of smiling into the camera or whatever it might be, and you think, oh, okay, you know, interesting person, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. And then you read their story, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea all this was going on underneath. Sometimes it's joys, it's happiness, it's different celebrations that, they, that, they, that they're carrying with them. Most of the time, it's hardship. Most of the time, it's things that people are really struggling with. And here's this person sitting on this park bench just kind of smiling in the camera. You're like, oh, my goodness, things are really hard for this individual. Uh, you want to know what stories get the most likes more often than not? It's the ones that people uh, uh, in which the, the, the folks sharing their story get the most vulnerable, get the most open about it. Does that surprise you that those are the stories that people really connect with the most and um, there's something especially moving about stories that are real like that, uh, because that's life. Life is messy. Life is hard. We don't always have everything going on all uh, going to, uh, well all all the time. Things are often askew and, and not not going all that well. What the psalmist is telling us here in in, in what we just read is for the the woman and man of faith, they each have a very unique story that must be told, that has to be told. He says in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Verse 22, tell of his works with songs of joy. Verses 31 and 32, let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. There is a story, if you are a person of faith, if you are a follower of Christ that is unique to you, that has to be told. Why? Because there's not only tremendous power there, not only do we need to give thanks to God for, for His goodness and how He helps us through those things, but there's also tremendous hope for those around us. Uh, tremendous hope that people need to hear and, and see God's love for them in through our story. But let me ask you this question, just kind of for the back of your, your head as we move forward. Why is it we don't tell our story all that often? Actually, let me make this even more personal. What keeps you from telling your story? Um, uh, just keep that on the back of your, your, your mind as, as, as we move forward. Uh, one of the things that first strikes out to me as you, as you kind of make your way into the psalm, kind of higher level and then further in, uh, first, thought is you, first thought we see here is the psalmist is, is really saying hardship and suffering are a natural part of everyone's story. Everyone has hardship and suffering that's just going to be a part of it. How this psalm is, is broken down is quite beautifully structured into four stanzas, 
four word pictures of human predicaments and divine interventions. So you have verses uh, 4 through 9. It says, Some wandered into the desert wastelands. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives were ebbing away. Verses 10 through 16, some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. Verses 17 through 22 talk about some became fools through the rebellion and suffered. And then verses 23 through 32, some went out on the sea in ships, on the mighty waters where a tempest was stirred. Um, If you look at that last verse that we read, um, this kind of summarizing verse, it says, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. What's the psalmist doing there? He's saying, look, I've talked about all these different situations, all these different people in different contexts facing different things, but don't you dare think that those are just those people at that certain time. As you heed these things, as the wise person heeds these things and ponders these things, that person realizes that these things reflect things in each and every one of our own lives. So in other words, when, you, when we read about the lost, when we read about the hungry, those in bondage, the sick, the storm-tossed, they represent each of us in some varying degree. Uh, we all go through hardship and suffering like these people, and we need to tell that story. People of faith need to be able to tell their unique story and God's goodness to them in and through that. Um, I mentioned right before I went on vacation that I had started a book on on the topic of pain and suffering. Um, I had just started. I have not yet finished it because on vacation I refused to read by by the poolside about pain and suffering. I wanted to read my detective novel, okay? Uh, So I'm not finished with it, but I've gotten further. Um, And there's this this interesting thought that the, the, the author was making uh, about uh, pain and suffering, uh, and looking at uh, all the various different religions, but also, uh, in particular, uh, Western secularism, kind of the Western world thought, and how it deals with uh, pain and suffering. And he was making the compelling point that when you really boil it down, uh, the Western secular worldview is, 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 in fact, the least equipped, the least equipped to handle hardship and suffering, um, to live with any hope uh, under this worldview, under this worldview, you must believe that we can eliminate most sources of unhappiness. But as much as we try to stave that off, as much as we try to prevent pain and suffering entering into our life, we all know deep down that that's just inevitable. It's inevitable. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna come to us. Um, but the problem is, though, if if this is our approach, if this is, if this is our worldview, when pain and suffering does hit us, we are left to just attribute it as bad luck, as inconvenience. Or worse still, worse things still is including, for instance, the end of the life for a particular phase in our life or life itself. And where that leads us, uh, ill-equipped as we face uh, life's troubles, is it can easily usher in feelings of bitterness, uh, sadness, depression, and anger. But what the Bible teaches, and what we see here in this psalm, is that through hardship and suffering, we actually can, indeed should, be able to give thanks. Isn't that a staggering thought? That in suffering, uh, through suffering, that we can actually, that we, we can, it can actually and should, for the person of faith, elicit thanksgiving, gratitude. It's a, it's a staggering thought, and I think it's worth pausing to just consider this a little bit more on the, on the personal level, just kind of let it sink in for, for ourselves here before pressing forward. Um, if you are a person of faith, do you live from the perspective that, you know, hardship and suffering is a natural part of your life, that it's, it's going to happen, that things, things are, are not going to always be hunky-dory? Um, 
I was talking to a, uh, someone recently, very strong in their faith, a Christian for, for many years, uh, knows their Bible, follows Jesus passionately. Um, but they said to me, man, it feels like God is not with me. And I said, oh, really? I said, How, how's that? Well, it feels like everything in my life is going wrong. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we said there's, there's times in the Scriptures where you can know something, but then you don't really know it until you know it. You following? Um, you can know something, but then it's not until you really know it that it, it makes a difference. I think that's one of the things about pain, pain and hardship for, for many believers, humbly as a pastor speaking, having, having talked to many folks, that we know, hey, the hardship and pain, it, it's out there, but when it hits us, wait a minute, wait, God, where, God, where are you in this? How could this be? There's no promise in the Bible that pain and hardship, suffering, uh, will, will never come. In fact, Jesus so so blunt about it. He's like, if you follow me, in some respects, it'll get harder. He says things like, follow me, and on account of me, people will hate you. Or his very calling to come and lay down our life, to give our life, to die for the sake of loving others. That's built into it, hardship and suffering. Um, There's no promise that life will have smooth sailing. In fact, if you look at one of these word pictures, which we'll now focus on, we can't look at all of them, uh, life can have anything but, at times, smooth sailing. Uh, Some went out in the seas and the ships, this is verses 23, uh, through, through 27. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. You know what He's describing there? Monstrous swells. Okay? If we're really wrestling with what the psalmist is saying here, and that doesn't shake us to our core, it's probably because we're a land lover. <laughs> it's probably because we don't understand, like, your, high, your, your time out in the high seas is probably the shoreline. You know, the wind blows over it, and the waves actually can get kind of crazy down there at shoreline, if you've ever been down there. Um, the, 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 you know, the, swim, the, the sailing instructors, they won't go out. Um, it, it, it gets scary. Whole other ball game when you're out in the open seas. When I was a little guy, we, we used to go every summer to Catalina Island. This is before we moved up to the Bay Area. We, I, I was born in San Diego, and, and my first few years of life in San Diego, and we'd go, so we'd, we'd go out to Catalina on this little itty-bitty boat. And if you know my family, I'm one of six kids. So we'd, we'd pack all of us on this tiny little thing, about 22, 24-foot-long uh, boat, which might sound impressive. It's not. That's an itty-bitty thing. And we'd, we'd sail out to uh, Catalina Island. And for about, it was, it was 16 hours to get there. And the vast majority of that time was uh, out there on the sea where you couldn't see any land at all. It's really fun. You're just you're going like at a, at a at the pace of a brisk jog. I mean, you're going real slow. Um, but I remember a couple of times uh, when we were we were getting ready to head out the, the harbor. The Coast Guard issued what's called a um, what's known as a small craft advisory, which meant you don't go out there if you're a small craft. Is what they're saying. Um, don't leave the harbor. And as a little guy who just wanted to go on vacation, go to that island and hang out, like that was my summer vacation, I would say to my dad, Dad, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Let's go. And my dad was like, uh, son, no, we're not, we're not going. Dad, we're not going to be able to get there. Son, trust me, you don't want to go. Um, I had to learn the hard way that small craft advisors are not fun. We got stuck out there one time when that was happening. And we're talking swells that rose as high as 12, even 15 feet high. Which, if you think about that, that means, you know, normal, no wind, water is about here. 15 feet high, which also means it dips about the same distance. Which, if you think about our 24-foot boat, we're doing, we're doing that. There's a lot of time where we're not even seeing the, hor- the horizon. And I, I, don't see my, I, I, I didn't see my dad scared a lot growing up. But there was times where he's like manning this little itty-bitty utter, uh, rudder excuse me, and just trying to keep it. 
We'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. Maybe I should just read. Manning this little bitty rudder, and, and I'll tell you, it took all his ounce, not only his, his mental capacities, but also his physical capacities to keep the boat angled in such a way that the swell wouldn't crash over the bow and sink us. One time we even got caught out there in, uh, at night, and uh, we all thought we were going to die. No kidding. Uh, the good news there was we were so close to the island, we were able to get around the point, and uh, we, were, we were safe. Um, it's no wonder that the psalmist goes, I'm, t- I'm talking about small craft advisory. The psalmist here is talking about a tempest. Uh, it's no wonder he continues there. In their peril, these people out in the waters, uh, their courage melt- uh, melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. These people were threatened by forces beyond them. One commentator put it this way, uh, sea travel can be, like, be a metaphor for life, of course. There are clear days in which we feel like we, can, we are in control and that our sea craft can take us anywhere we want to go. But when great storms come up, we realize we are helpless before the enormity of the waves. And the illusion, the, the illusion is shattered that life or the sea can be tamed through our management skills, that is, our wits, looking at verse 27. Life's troubles will sink us uh, without outside help. Uh, to put it another way, uh, the storms of life humble us. Uh, they help us know or help us remember that we are dependent on outside help, that is, God's help, the psalmist says. That is why in verse 28 you see, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. Now that's a refrain that, go, that happens uh, four times, each of the four stanza, each, for the four, each time for the four uh, word pictures when these guys are in trouble. Verses 6, 15, 21, and 28. Then they cried out to the Lord, and in their trouble, He took care of them. Uh, verses 4 and 9, the, the lost, the hungry, the exhausted, both physically, spiritually. Uh, they cried out, verse 6, and the Lord took care of them. Verses 10 through 16, those who rebelled against the Lord and sat in chains, people who felt guilty, essentially. If you look at verse 11 there. Uh, people who represent the darkness of a conscience and a soul weighed down by shame and a sense of condemnation from which they cannot free themselves. They cried out, verse 15, to the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. Verse 17 through 22, those who are self-damaged, people who put themselves in trouble, either became sick or because they became like fools, verse 17, they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord helped them. And then as we, we talked about, um, the storm-tossed, um, they cried out to the Lord, and he, he delivered them to safe haven. Verse 43, again, is, Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Uh, what's he saying? What's the lesson here? Uh, every stanza, every word picture here is a case study in God's love. Ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Some of these guys brought trouble upon themselves. That is, the guilty, the self-damaged, while others did not. That is, the aimless, the lost, the the storm-tossed. But despite each of their very different circumstances, the one common denominator for each of them is they cried out to the Lord, and He heard them. Uh, And He provided for them, whether it be forgiveness, healing, community, or safe haven. Uh, What's He saying He's saying the love of God is not earned. It's a gift of grace. Uh, One commentator put it this way. You connect to God's love uh, not by what you earn or the quality of your life, but through your dependence on Him. Everyone who cried out to Him was heard. That 
is how he loves. And that is the story that we need to tell if we are followers of his. That, that is the story that has tremendous power, that gives thanks to him, gives him praise, but also is, comes with it tremendous hope. One of the things about reading The Humans of New York, and I love it, is when you read it, um, so often when people share hard times, it's really moving, it's deeply moving. I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm so glad they tell their story. But at the end of it, there's no hope. And, I, you know, you, you read these folks and your, your heart just goes out to them. You're just like, my goodness, I hope they make it. But if you are a follower of Christ, you have not just made it. You have, he has lifted you out of the sea. He has delivered you into safe haven. And that story must be told. Your unique story has to be told. Here's one way of breaking down this, this text, it seems to me. is Hardship is not only a reality of the journey. It's a beautiful part of the story. Do you think of it that way? Hardship can be a beautiful part of a story. Now, okay, when I say that, I, I do think I need to address something, um, kind of an elephant in the living room for some of you, because when I say that, when I say these things, I imagine you say, David, okay, you're telling me that God is good, that he, he delivers us, he, he protects, that hardship comes up, and he's, he's there, but you're telling me that should connect us more to him. If anything, that makes me believe that he's not even there. I was, re- I was uh, lost in a uh, YouTube rabbit hole. You ever go down one of those? Um, I don't know. I just, I was, my, the YouTube rabbit hole I was going down was, was watching these videos on astrophysics, okay? I don't, it's not my normal YouTube rabbit hole, but anyways, I was just watching it, and it was really fascinating. These guys, their intellect is just, it was just amazing, talking about string theory, theory of relativity. I was just like, you know, just mind bombs, just like over and over. Um, but then I saw one that, of course, as a pastor, I had to click on, like, astrophysics talks about his view on God. I was like, ooh, Interesting. Um, and the uh, interviewer started the segment by saying, you know, I've, I've heard that so many astrophysicists, the leading astrophysicists in the world, are actually theists, are people who believe in God. Um, which, by the way, I thought was really interesting because the YouTube I was watching was not, so far as I could tell, a religious thing. It's just, just a person starting their conversation. What about you? Uh, so-and-so, like, do you, what, what's your thoughts on God? And a couple of these astrophysicists explained it. One of them said, yeah, I do, I do see that. Another one said, you know what, I can't believe in the notion of God because with that notion of God, it is so often connected with the thought of God is good. And if God is good, I have my eyes open to the world and I see so much that is not good. And if he is powerful and he is good, he has the ability to stop it, all that, I would have to think that if he's good, he would stop. So therefore, this notion of God, I can't, I can't, I can't buy into that. Um, I was listening to all these, going through all these, these videos, and it was actually at that moment where most of these were just like, go, the, the thoughts of astrophysics were going over my head. I was just like, wow, these guys are... And, and to, to, to preface this by saying, my intellect is nowhere near what these guys are. But with that answer, I, was, I found myself saying, boy, I wish I could get into dialogue with him. You just have a conversation with him. Because it misses actually the point of what the Bible says about that very thing. Um, we got to understand the, the narrative arc of the Bible, which I think also plays into what, what we're getting at here in this text. The, the narrative arc of the Bible is it starts out with creation. Can I hold up one page, you know, two pages? It's creation. That's the biblical arc. It starts out, God created the world, heavens and earth, people to be in perfect relationship with him, to be harmonious and, and wonderful, and things were good. In fact, in Genesis 1 and 2, it says, and it was good, it was very good. And then page 3 or 4 you have the fall. So you go from creation to fall. And the fall was us basically saying, you know what, God, thank you for giving us free will, but you know what, we're going to use that free will to do what we want. We don't, we don't need you so much. We, we want to do things our own way. And so the fall of mankind happened, and with that, it ushered in all the pain and suffering that we're talking about. 
That's pages like one through four in your Bible. You know what the rest of the Bible is essentially about? Creation, fall. It's about redemption. It's about redemption. If the Bible was just about creation, then the argument of, hey, I can't believe in a God who's good with all this bad stuff happening would be tenable. I mean, you could argue that. But if you pay attention to what the rest of the Bible is saying, the emphasis of the whole thing, that it's redemption. Look, that's what the psalmist is talking about here in verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he's redeemed. The Hebrew word for, for redeemed uh, I, I can't do a deep dive here. I think we've done it in the past before. Is the word goel, uh, Hebrew word, um, that is drawn from the law of Moses that was given some time before. And it basically means this. If any person was either sold for a slave or carried away as a captive, then their kinsman, who was nearest to them in blood, had the right and equity to, uh, of redemption, rescuing them out of bankruptcy and total loss. The whole of the Bible... Pages four through the end are about God's redeeming work in our lives. Um, For Him coming to deliver us in much the ways that we see played out in these four word pictures. They represent our lives. We've each been redeemed. What is your story of redemption? If you are a follower of Christ, what is your story of redemption? And how can you tell it? Now, you might be saying to me, I've heard a number of folks say, you know what, I feel like my story is not really all that interesting. You know, my story, my testimony, if I share what God has done in my life, it's not really of the interesting, it's more of the the boring variety. You know, if you've grown up in church, you've probably seen some testimonies of people who are either drug addicts, and now they believe in Jesus, and they're missionaries, or somebody who is in jail, and now they're leading a jail ministry to people. I mean, we've all seen those things, and I hear, you know, everyday Christians, if I can say that, which is not, not really my point here, if you're saying, my story is boring, it, perhaps it is because you don't realize the power and beauty of what God is doing in your story. Your story is God's story in you of redemption. There's nothing boring. There's nothing uninteresting. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful story, a powerful story of hope that needs to be told. Your story and mine, if we believe in Jesus, is the same story as these people in this text. Some went out, and they were lost. Jesus said, I am the way, John 14. Some were hungry and thirsty. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the water, John uh, 6 and John 4. Those who are, are, are bound spiritually, he, 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 on the cross, became bound in a sense that we might become free, Luke 4. Uh, those who are storm-tossed, Hebrews uh, six or so says that Jesus beca- has become our anchor, where our souls are now uh, firm and secure. Our stories are the story of Jesus' redemption in our life if we have received what he has done for us in the cross, and people need to hear that. What is your unique story that, that God wants to tell through you? That one, number one, will give thanks to God, but others need to hear. You know what? Your story probably includes in it almost certainly includes in it. It does include it. Mess. It includes things where you don't have it all figured out. And you know why that story needs to be told? Because that's everyone's life. Everyone has mess. Everyone has things that are just harder, things that are just not going quite well. And if they aren't right now, it'll it, just give it some time. And that's, your story needs to be told because the end of that story is God has delivered you into 
your desired haven, which, by the way, is a better desired haven than me getting around that point into Catalina Island. You, of course, know that's pointing ahead to what's the last biblical arc, and that is restoration, creation, fall, redemption, leading to restoration. That is, we get to be with God. He is our desired heaven. We get to be with Him for all time, where He wipes away every tear, and no more hardship and pain will follow us. But in this life, hardship and pain so often, so beautifully even, points not only ourselves but others to the Lord. We've got to give Him thanks, praise Him for what He's done, and find ways to tell that story. How can you tell that story? I don't think the application of this text is to go find, you know, the next person you're walking down the street, hey, I got a story, I got a story. I th- it says here, uh, see if I can find it, boy. It says here, oh, I remember the verse, um, let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. There's times and place we've got to be thinking about it. But how can you tell your story? How can you tell about the redemption of God in, in, in your life so that, one, we can give God praise, but also others can see the tremendous power and hope that God has his love for them uh, made uh, shown clearly through you? Uh, let's pray.